0: I don't think we are listening to these kids. I, I think we're more about uh, you know, cracking down on them, disciplining them, make sure they're following the rules, and uh, we're really not kind of touching their heart or finding out from them what it is they really need from us. So yeah. I, I, I don't think we are. Would you agree? No,
1: I, I would absolutely agree. I think we get so caught up in, in so many different things. Coach, you know this, mm-hmm. school testing and, mm-hmm. and these outcomes that we got to meet. But we, we sometimes stop or, or forget to stop and really think about why we're doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it really is those kids. And, and they often tell us what they need. Yeah. Sometimes they don't tell us the right way. Uh, and, and it's our responses, which sometimes is quick to respond with discipline, rather sure. than just ask the question, hey, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, within the family, within the school, within whatever setting you're, you're, you're you know you're running into kids, I, I think I think you're right on. We're we're not good listeners, uh, and there's so many other societal pressures that that are put yeah. on us as adults. Not to mention when the pressures put on those kids mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. we sometimes forget. I, I think your answer was right on, and just mm-hmm. stop and listen. Yeah,
2: yeah, and, and I'll tell you how I came up with that question. I, I was on a long walk. I love walking. And This was Friday. I was getting all my thoughts together. I was real excited about this first segment, so I stopped at a Michael's and asked for some scratch paper and then wrote down my thoughts. Well, Sunday night comes, and here I am. I really have to make a decision, a quality decision, about how to start this segment. I thought about who I was having on this show, Lauren. Coach Scott, Glab, and I thought, you know what? This is not going to be easy. I can't let this be easy for Mm -hmm. these guys. And I thought and I prayed, and um, that's the question I came up with. So, you know what, guys? It's a serious, serious thing that we as adults are not listening to our children.
0: Uh, You know what I suggest to students when uh, they always... Well, well, not always, but they come to me and, and complain about their parents, and my parents won't listen to me, or my teacher won't listen to me. And I, I always say, write a letter. You got to write them a letter. Because wow. when we go to the mail, and we get all the bills, and there's that one letter from somebody, we always open that letter up, and we read it. And we kind of focus wow. on it and we think it through. And I think the best way to communicate to parents or to communicate to teachers or any kind of educator or mentor, if they're not listening, is to write a letter. And I think it gives them the opportunity to really sit down and reflect and uh, kind of think things through. I think that's the best way for us to listen today is, I mean, it's all about the texting and the social media. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's got got to that point where I think we'll read it before we'll
1: uh, yeah, listen yeah and, and again... Our kids are going to talk to somebody. Um, and if it's, it. not, it's not an adult that, that is a strong adult in their life, they're going to go somewhere. Uh, we as human beings have to get needs met. And, and being mm-hmm. felt and being heard is definitely one of those needs we all have. So mm-hmm. um, I agree with you. My wife probably would agree. I, I'm not the best listener, yeah, uh, but uh, she's uh, going to find a way to get my attention. sometimes. Sure. It, you know, mm-hmm. and, and same thing with our kids. They're going to find a way or find someone that's going to listen to them. So mm-hmm. um, those people that that do have a positive impact on their life, if we're not the ones, they're going to go somewhere else and, and it may not be the best choice for our kids.
2: Yeah, and, and I remember if, if the three of us think back to the time when we were 13, 14, 15, especially those ages, you know, where mm-hmm. we, f- we still feel so dependent on yeah. our parents in, in such a negative way. It becomes negative to us. I remember when I thought, that my parents were not paying attention to me when they were not listening there was a seed of frustration planted mm-hmm. so we as yep. parents need to think about if a seed of frustration is being planted what's going to happen with the harvest of that seed
1: yeah and, and even on top of that we um you know our our kids especially are going to go somewhere to to meet that need i was talking about um, and, and if it's not us, where is it going to be? Um, and I, I think in addition to that, we have to be understanding and open to the pressures they're under um, and the idea that their lives or their world is completely different from ours. And, and going back to when I was 13, 14, my job was to be, be difficult for my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so as adults, we have to understand that, that. That's part of their job. That's part of their reality take in it life. Personal. Yeah, we can't take it personal. Uh, we've got to focus on the behavior, and we've got to really just say, this is what they're going through. They're trying to you know, establish their independence, and we have to be there with them through that, uh, even in the ugly times. And I, I think it's important that we as adults, uh, that's, that's a great line, Coach, is mm-hmm. don't take it personal because yeah. it, it's not really about us. Uh, it's about. It's them. not about us. We just ass. happen to be there. Mm-hmm. And, and again, if, if we're not on. the ones that are there, they're going to go somewhere that that may reinforce some mm-hmm. of those negative habits that that we don't really want to. So yeah. it's our our job to kind of sit there, listen to them, talk about it, uh, and then maybe help them come up with a better way to express themselves. Like you said, yeah. perfect. Write a letter. Yeah. It's not working. Talk to them. Write a letter. You, I think. You that's know what
0: great. I, I think I am seeing though is I think the adults today are pretty self-centered. I'm sorry, any of you that are adults, but. For me the, the number one thing is um, <clears throat> my, my own kids, my children, and the kids that I coach. And so okay. I'm there to serve. I'm there to make those sacrifices. I'm there to you know do whatever I need to do to make sure that these kids you know grow up uh, uh, appropriately, effectively um, you know with the, the least amount of, of dysfunctional behavior and, and, and mental issues as possible. and I just see a lot of adults. You know, um, they just don't want to invest that time in in their own kids. Uh, we're, you know, I gotta I gotta do what I want to do, and I kind of get caught up in that too. Uh, spend more time at school and coaching than I should be spending with my my own children, and uh, I just think we're really self-centered, and we just don't give those kids the time that they need to to express themselves, and that might be part of the reason they're all acting out.
2: So yeah. Um, that's that kind of answers my next question because it was why is it so hard to listen to individuals who are closest to us what happens in the atmosphere when we are I don't know are we emotionally dependent and somehow we resent that we we fight against that balance um, I want your thoughts on that but also <laughs> on this it seems like when I spend time with my friends, people that are married, people that are single, there's a delicate balance. And it seems like companionship, fellowship, stuff like that, it requires the protection of a delicate balance. So, so guys, I, I know I'm talking like a girl right now and I'm kind of emotional about this, but, but help me out here. Talk about what goes on in your homes, for instance, when everyone is just doing all this stuff and that delicate balance of companionship and, you know, listening to each other. Just what happens to that delicate balance in our homes these days?
1: No, you definitely lost me with the emotional talk. No, I'm just kidding, Chandra. (laughs) Uh, I think there is definitely a balance, and, and as individuals and, and as human beings, we're uh, kind of kind of naturally wired to be selfish and self-centered, and um, those are things we have to work through. And I, I think, Coach, your, your statement about being a servant is really what it's all about. Um, you know, we we all have been called to what we're yeah. doing to serve, not to be served, and I think that's an important piece of it. And, and we have to find that in every single relationship, um, and. and You know, we kind of teach our our staff and our kids even that uh, if you want to get something out of a relationship, you have to invest into it. So Mm -hmm. it's just like a bank account. If you don't put any money into it, you're not going to get out what you want. And I read something just the other day that said if your spouse needs something, you need to give that to them. Um, And then in return, you'll probably have a more likelihood of getting it. And same thing with our kids. If you want our kids to be Mm -hmm. respectful we need to respect them, and, and if you want our kids to communicate honestly and communicate openly about their feelings and emotions, we have to do the same thing for them because they're watching and they're learning from everything that we do, um, not just what we tell them to do. That, you know They're going to do That's what right. we do. So if we raise our voice when we get upset, they'll probably have a, a chance of doing the same thing. If we, if we walk out of the room um, when there's a confrontation rather than face it and, and have a civil conversation... They're probably going to do the same thing. So I think it's important that we as role models uh, invest in relationships as well.
0: Yeah, finding that balance is difficult because uh, we're busy today. We got, you know, uh, we got our kids involved in everything. I had my son, my 6-year-old, playing uh, football and soccer in the same season, plus starting kindergarten. 6-year-old coach. Yes, starting kindergarten with that and then playing football and doing the soccer, and I think it got to him. I think we're just we're busy, we're doing all these things, we got him involved in a lot of things, and I, I think it leaves little time for us to just sit down and look at each other. And then what happens when we get home? Where do we go? What are most right of to the, the kids? TV. TV, computer, and, man, it's a tough habit to break. And, you know, guilty as charged. I mean, I veg out in front of that TV. It's kind of like my, you know, <laughs> escape. Uh, I'm, I, I just, I'm a visual kind of guy, and I, I just like sitting in front of that thing. And, and, um, and I can admit I, I don't engage with those boys as, as much as I should. Uh, I got to spend the, usually I do wrestling on weekends, and this last weekend I didn't have any wrestling, uh-huh. and it was awesome. I took my son to his baseball game, then afterwards he wanted to stay and practice some more, so another hour and a half of uh, hitting and throwing, and then he wanted to go to the batting cages, and then we went to a, a baseball store, and it was a, wow. a great day, and then the next wow. day we were back on the field playing uh, baseball again with each other, and I, have, I, don't, I haven't got to do that with him since, uh, since he's been playing sports, and that was fun, that was a good time, it really was. It was nice to to be able to invest in that and invest in in him, like you were saying.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Orange County, you're listening to Ear to the Ground. We air Mondays, 5 to 6, in case you're getting into your cars on the way home. We have some amazing guests with us tonight, my personal heroes. Uh, Lauren Ramos with Boys Town, Southern California. He's the executive director at Boys Town, and Coach Scott Glab. Uh, just a renowned wrestling coach who was the wrestling coach at Santa Ana High School. And we're talking about just some of the struggles, you know, that teenagers go through. But before we're going to get to that, we're hitting some maybe peripheral issues which are not at times just peripheral. So now, Coach Lauren, why do teenage men rebel?
1: Do we have more than an hour? I told
2: you this wasn't going to be easy, but these questions came to me, and I said, we got to go with this.
0: I I don't think that's a conscious effort. I I don't think they're doing it consciously. Okay. Um, You know, I have a lot of kids in my program that, well, I wouldn't know, but they don't rebel. I think it's the kids that are, are growing up in a tough home life have all kinds of difficult situations going on. We can sit here and talk about all the different things that these kids um, go through on a daily basis from, you you know, child abuse to being verbally beat up to, you know, living in a home with... Fifteen other people to trying to find a place to sleep when you get there. I mean, we know wow. all the, we know all the stories, and I just don't think that I, I I don't believe I was a real rebellious teenager, but I had a lot of abandonment issues with my father. He was an alcoholic. He was verbally abusive. He never was there for me. He said he'd pick me up and take me somewhere, and then he wouldn't show up. And when he did, he'd show up drunk, and he he'd pick on me, and and uh, you know it it was painful. But uh... I reacted in a different way. I tried to just prove to him wrong, that I wasn't worthless, that I will measure up. And I was a good kid. You know, I didn't cause a lot of problems for my Mm -hmm. mom, uh, as she will attest, Um, maybe here and there. But I I wasn't rebellious. I was just trying to prove to everybody that I am worthy. So I don't think they all are rebellious.
1: No, I I would agree, just like I was mentioning earlier, that most kids are doing things for a reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And it's our job, again, as adults to kind of figure out what is the reason? What is the function of what they're doing? What are they trying to gain from this? We don't a, all of us sitting in this room, we don't do things unless we get something out of it or it benefits us mm-hmm. in some way, whether that be a, a pain reduction of some sort or, uh, right. or or we gain something for it. We, we just don't, and our kids are exactly the same ways. They're, they're human beings just like us. They're doing things for a reason, and, and again, it's our job just to stop, listen, um, and figure out what that reason is and help them come up with a better mm-hmm. way to deal with it, and a better way to meet that need in their lives. Um, You know, most of those kids are, like you said, from broken homes and Mm -hmm. those situations. They really just need one person. And uh, we were talking earlier about, you know, sometimes our kids don't say thank you right away. Mm -hmm. uh, And it's ten years down the road where they come back and say, you know what, that one conversation... You had right. with me. We don't even remember the one conversation. No. <laughs> uh, but that, and they'll they'll go on to say how that one conversation changed their lives. And mm-hmm. you know, the founder of, of Boys Town, Father Flanagan, said, "When you help a child today, you write the history of tomorrow." And it, again, yeah. it's our jobs to to wow. help children today, so the history of tomorrow is a better place.
2: Orange County, call in with any questions or comments. The call in number is nine four nine eight two four. 5824. Don't forget also that we are in a fun drive. Uh, You're not going to turn to mainstream radio and hear a conversation, hear a discussion like this, I don't think. If you do, let me know and I may contact that person. But as far as I know, when you're able to talk freely, about the delicate balance in households and and why teenage men rebel and the fact that they're not really rebelling they're just giving us a signal Mm -hmm. that they want to be listened to
3: yeah Uh, exactly right
2: so call in 949-824-5824 now think deeply about this gentleman Lauren coach coach uh, think deeply about this next question Don't think of us as one big glob. But let me ask you this. Why do teenage women rebel?
0: Uh, Low self-esteem, no confidence. They just don't believe in themselves. They haven't been brought up to... uh, You know, and I see it at school. There's just a a lot of girls that don't have confidence in themselves, don't believe in who they are, haven't been told that they're worthy. You know, haven't been told that they're important. And I think that's probably a, a big reason. Kind of, I would say, just in line with the, with the boys, their needs are not being met. And, um, okay, you know, like Lauren said, you've got to have two parents. You have to have two parents at home. Each parent serves a purpose. And a, and a girl needs her father and she needs her mother. And missing one of those key elements I really think it throws those kids for a loop. It really causes a, a lot of pain and and sorrow, and uh, you know, with that comes the, the lack of confidence and belief in themselves.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty deep, Coach. Uh, I would agree with everything you said, and, and I would I would sum it up with with three concepts: it's faith, hope, and love. Okay. Um, you know, and, mm. and um, all of those things are important. Our, our young ladies sometimes don't have the the faith that they need to move forward. Sometimes they don't have the hope that they can live up to un unmeasurable expectations our society puts a a ton of pressure on women um to engage in certain behaviors or look a certain way and our, our young ladies are, are those images are thrown in front of them from all different directions yes yeah you know, i can't even imagine with the the pressures of social media and uh all those different again images that just get thrown in front of them so that they they, they get bombarded with what they should be uh rather than who they are um and, and get Again, images just contradicting all those things, and, and it challenges who they are, and it impacts yeah. their self-esteem, and um, and and then the love that that that's sometimes missing at home, mm-hmm. um, and, and they act out in ways to get that need. We all want to be loved, um, mm-hmm. and, and our yes. young ladies even more so. Uh, and it's not if it's not coming from the home, from the family, they're gonna go get it somewhere.
2: Yes, um, exactly. It's, it's
1: typically, not the right place.
0: And from some knucklehead kid that has a 0.5 GPA, I just. I give those girls a hard time when I see them. So just the neatest girls, the nicest girls in the world walking around with just some real, you know, goofball kids on, uh, on our campus. And it's it just so obvious blows me us. away. It blows me away. I can't figure it out. I don't understand it. I, I try to talk to them about it, but, you know, it doesn't, doesn't do much good.
2: Yeah, yeah. And um, before we rush on to these other topics... I want to put something out to the middle schoolers, the high schoolers, maybe young, younger college age. Are we really listening to our parents? Because nobody made us robots. Or, you know, we're not imbeciles. We wake up in the morning with brains. So, oh, somebody's calling me. Jared's telling me. But I want to finish my statement here. Our teenagers, especially, are we listening to our parents? So we'll just leave that out there. Let me ask my guests, why is it so hard to listen to individuals who are closest to us? Get that discussion going. I have to get somebody on the phone.
1: You know, I I would say one of the challenges are... um, are they're close to us, and, and we see their flaws, mm-hmm. and we see their mistakes, and, and it's difficult to kind of accept that you, see you know them? feedback, if you will, from someone that's close to you, when you know there's you know a hundred things that that they they need to work on, if you will. Yeah. Um, so I, I I just think it's important that again as as adults that we. Uh, be forgiving and be open and honest with our kids that, that we're not perfect in any ways. And sometimes that's the best way to start a conversation is just admit yeah, just your own flaws and say, "Here, here's where I fell I'll short. You know uh, mm-hmm. I'd like to talk about some other things and mm-hmm. move forward to those conversations. But it is, yeah, your, your point earlier sticking with me, Coach, just just yeah. listen. Uh, stop and listen.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know why it's so tough. I mean, when when my 9-year-old wants to, to say something and cut him off or I find other things to do, it's I, it's it's hard to pinpoint why why we do that. And, you know, it, it's, sad, it's sad that probably the closer we are, the less we listen. And, you know, you know, a kid pulls you to the side in the classroom and has something they want to tell you, then, yeah, we take the time to listen to that kid and maybe kind of help them or give them advice. But sometimes those people that we're closest to, we just kind of take them for granted and uh, maybe seem to think that, ah, you're okay, you'll be fine, you're all right, and uh, they're not. So, yeah.
2: Thank you for being so honest and open, Lauren and Scott. Uh, we have a caller, Linda, uh, and she wants to get on the air and make a comment. Hold on, Linda. Hi.
0: Hey, Linda.
2: Hi, Linda. Go ahead with your comment.
3: Well, I'm, I'm very touched by this topic, uh, teenage suicide. Is that what your topic is?
2: Yes, we're discussing a lot of things. Yeah, suicide, depression, depression, why we get into all of this rebellion as young people, what's going on inside, that kind of thing.
3: Yeah, being I came from a dysfunctional home, I have some experience uh, in that situation. Um, they, the father and the mother, you know, like if the, 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 the young girl is n- not being nurtured, you know, yes. mm-hmm. emotionally nurtured by her father, he's not there um, physically there for her emotionally. You know, that can really have an effect on her self esteem. And very uh,
2: good point.
3: And two two parent households at work, the child doesn't get that nurturing from both parents if they're always working, and it can it can have an effect on the per, on the child's self esteem, especially when they need some some time alone with the parent. I, I hear people that have kids, they take the time out to spend time with the kids individually, you know, if they have more than one child.
2: Exactly. It, it really helps. Wow, thank you for sharing that. Lawrence Scott, just go for it and make some comments here.
0: You, you know, like, let's take, for instance, a, a young girl that might grow up a little overweight and how critical her family might be or her mother or father might be and that um, she needs to look a certain way like you mentioned earlier uh, that takes a toll on a, a young lady and uh, it, it tears them up and it's uh, it's something that I don't even know if they ever get over it but uh, it, t- it takes a long time and those scars are there and and they don't go away and I don't think it, it really doesn't matter you know what apologies your parents give or how they, they might rectify it later in, in life but um, the words hurt, and we just really need to be yes. careful of being critical with uh, any teenager, and mm-hmm. especially those that we, uh, you know, uh, our own, you know, our sons and daughters.
3: I totally agree with that. May I speak on that
0: issue? Yeah.
3: Um, I, I feel that I had some uh, verbal abuse and a lack of communication uh, along the way, and it, it caused me mm-hmm. to have some uh, eating disorders uh it really affected me in the long run because i really wasn't you know nurtured uh with good words and children live with you know learn what they
2: live mm-hmm. they learn what they live exactly lauren did you want to
1: yeah I, I would on just you know and, and it sounds like you had some some troubles there but i i think at the end of the day you you have to know that it's it's not about you the, the way people treat you is not who you are it's not the value of, of you as an individual um, and that, that it goes beyond that. It, it goes with a, a different sort of relationship that's out there. And it's not um, the way people treat me is not who I am, uh, how I respond mm-hmm. to the, Yeah, and okay. I, I think you just got to continue to find hope, continue to find healing in, in those things that, that, that bring, bring that to you uh, and look beyond those situations. But at the same time, you have to let go. You have to forgive um, because mm-hmm. when we don't do that, Good. We're actually holding on to Good. those things. Uh, until we forgive or, or forgive a situation, um, we are letting that person win, if you will, uh, yeah. and, and, and holding on to that that trouble and those statements and those sort of things. You're telling that person that they were right, but um, it, it's one of the, the most freeing things is to forgive someone. And I think it's important that we, we learn to do that. And it's not that you got to forget those things and uh, you got to completely trust that person again. But, again, forgiveness is about letting go um, so that we can heal. Uh, it's not mm-hmm. saying that, that what that person did was right, but yeah. it's about us saying, look, I forgive you, I'm moving on. Um,
3: oh, well, I agree with that. I, I'm, I really appreciate you sharing that. that I had spiritual counseling, so I think uh, forgiveness is help help a lot. It really helps the person move on.
2: Yes, and it does. Valued. It's powerful. So now, yep. Linda, you're welcome to stay on the line. Dear, I want to ask Lauren. I, I've just been really excited to ask them these two questions. This one is Lauren's. Lauren, what are the warning signs? I, I, I was going to email you ahead of time, so forgive me if this is difficult. What are the warning signs that individuals in the family are no longer really listening and tuned in to one another
1: you know I, I think some obvious ones like are they in the same room together uh, are they having conversations do Good. they know what's going on with each other um, you know th- there's sometimes a feeling that goes along with that and and are they emotionally connected are they sharing um, not only the good things that are happening, but uh, the things that are frustrating. And um, just having open communication, I think, is number one, and that they can sit down and um, spend time together not doing things sometimes. And I know the last time we were on the air we talked about, especially with their kids, you have them captive while, while you're in the car. That's a great time to just have some good yeah. conversations. Yeah.
2: Now put now put this in the context of a warning sign, like if you are not doing this, then that's a warning sign. So just kind I of... I think from
1: an individual, if you're not comfortable opening up uh, and sharing those things, that that's a warning sign. Wow, that's uh, good. Because if you're not comfortable doing it, the, the likelihood that the other person is probably even greater. Uh, and they're coming from a different spot. And sometimes, again, we talked about modeling earlier. It's important that we model the things that we need in a relationship, that we invest the, the things that we want to get out of a relationship. So if it's if we need... Um, unconditional love, we need to give unconditional love. Mm-hmm. If we need someone to listen, we need to listen. Mm-hmm. If we need someone to okay, to see, give I'm us some affection, we need to give affection, mm-hmm. whatever that may Hi be there. appropriate okay. to the okay, relationship. Here, um, so I, I think those are the, the biggest things is that we're not connected, so we got to look inward um, to figure out what the warning signs are for the other person.
2: Good, good. Oh. Good, excellent. Okay, Scott, okay, everybody say hi to Katie. Katie just got on the line. <gasps> Hello. Hey, Katie. Hi. Katie, thank you, thank you for calling in. I'm going to introduce you in just a few seconds. First, I have to give Coach uh, a very difficult question You're here. you give
0: me a test?
2: Yeah. Yeah, this is a testing question, actually, and all of us can chime in on it. Coach, what are the warning signs that a teenager is carrying a very heavy mental, emotional load and doesn't know how to talk about it.
0: You mean a depression, so a kid that might be uh, suicidal?
2: Yeah, because and, and, okay. and, and we're, we're getting to Katie's expertise mm-hmm. here because when we read all this so-called suicide stuff, um, we always look back and find out that they were carrying some kind of heavy mental, emotional load.
0: All right. So what the warning sign is for carrying that heavy load, depression, is what you're saying?
2: Yes, exactly, exactly. So
0: I I would say, you know, as a uh, mentor, a teacher, educator in the field that we're in, probably a a drop in academics where a kid, uh, you know, he maintained a B, C average. All of a sudden, he's uh, flunking... Uh, two or three classes I mean, you wouldn't believe how many kids I have in my program that you know start off real strong and then drop to four or five f's and so there's there's got to be something going on besides their excuse of I'm just being lazy um you know an increase in uh, drug alcohol use uh, a lot of sleeping i I did a lot of sleeping when I was depressed i I slept all the time because it was euphoric it put me in another state i I was busy dreaming, which was in a in a lot better land than the one I was really living in. Okay. Um, and then they walk around and they put themselves down. They, they call themselves loser. Uh, you know, nobody likes me. I'm no good. And so a lot okay, of so
2: self-put downs. So let's stop there. We're going to get right back to that. So, so you know how it is when you're in a high school setting and you hear people putting themselves down. Sometimes we even laugh at that. Mm-hmm. We, we think it's humorous.
0: Well, some kids use it as a, a form of humor in the classroom, but it's probably really sincere. But once again, going back to maybe that's that way of getting attention. Somebody's listening to me.
1: And, and you know, in most of the situations where there has been a, a suicide, there, there has been indicators and mm-hmm. um, things that were leading up to it that people missed. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes it could be those situations where they're making those negative self-comments. Right. um Someone thought it was a joke. Uh, but they were being serious, and they were actually again our kids. Um, mm-hmm. Just like we as adults, we still haven't even learned to communicate that well. But our kids, they're still learning how to communicate. So they may say something like that as a joke,
4: mm-hmm.
1: um, in a way, in attempt to communicate something. If we don't pick up on those, or, or mm-hmm. sometimes take them serious, then then we may miss some of those warning signs. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, good. Now before we take a break, I want Katie to chime in on that. Katie, I'll repeat the question. What is a warning sign that a teenager is carrying a very heavy mental slash emotional load and doesn't know how to talk about it?
5: Yeah, good question. You're going to see that in several different areas of their life. Um, You know, if you're paying attention and if you're looking, so it's really important for people to be aware, even if it's one little thing that they might see off, um, you're going to see that maybe possible emotional changes. So irritability, frustration, anger, outrages, maybe just sadness in general. um, If you notice just, you know, crying spells for no reason, loss of interest um, and things that maybe they used to do. So, or you know loss an interest with things with family too we all know as teenagers it's hard to tell what's just a normal up and down and what's you know maybe a more serious sign so that's why it's important to pay attention so uh, again you know like coach said the the depression of sleeping so you might notice someone is missing classes because they're sleeping in all the time or going to bed early just not participating in mm-hmm. what might be normal to them um and really some really critical frightening things are the, again, what you just talked about when you have a youth that's talking about their feelings of worthlessness or guilt, um, Mm -hmm. just really fixation on, you know, failures and things like that.
2: Okay, good, good. All right, let's take a little break. We're coming back and we're going to focus on, I'm not going to tell you because, I don't know, I just like the suspense. I like to see the people that I brought to the show just really, really... Sweating. Yeah, exactly. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back.
4: Hey, folks, this is Henry Rollins. And as you know, it is the time of year when KUCI is asking you for some support, financial, because they need to keep the station going. Please call in and send in a donation via phone at 949. 949- 824-KUCI, that's 949-824-5824, or you can donate easily online by going to KUCI.org. Without you, KUCI will not be around, so please, please, please donate.
3: It might be the door alarm, or the new safety drain covers, the pool fencing, even the swim lessons. But the fact is, you can never know which safety step will save a life, until it does. Adding multiple safety steps to your safe pool practices can mean the difference between a close call and a call to 911. Simple steps save lives. To learn some new ones, visit poolsafely.gov. A public service message from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, the American Red Cross, and YMCA of the USA.
4: You must be... Your fairy godmother? Cinderella's dream comes true because the glass slipper fits.
3: Different.
4: In our world, the right fit can be just as important, especially when it comes to car seats. Always choose a car seat that's the right fit for your child's age and size to make sure your little pumpkin gets there safely every time.
2: Happy New Year.
4: Thank you. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. This message has been brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
3: As a veteran of Iraq or Afghanistan, joining IAVA.org really helps in the transition home.
2: It's a network of OIF and OEF vets like me who've got your back here, just like we did over there. That means when you need help navigating the GI Bill, we've got your back. And when you're dealing with the transition home, we've got your back. Or when you just want someone to share stories with, we've got your back. Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America is there for you. Join our community at
3: IAVA.org. We've got your back.
4: Brought to you by IAVA and the Ad Council. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide.
2: Okay, we're back. Now, you guys, you know we're in a fun drive. KUCI uh, is just an amazing place to be. Call in with your pledges, 949-824-5824. We're doing really well so far. Uh, call in again, 949-824-5824. and. I, I you know Lauren how, long and the pledge,
0: how long is the pledge drive?
2: I you know? think it's through next Monday, through okay. the 3rd. And we could always make it longer, but for sure through next Monday. So say something, Coach Scott and Lauren about what we're doing on the fun drive here.
0: Uh you're raising money to keep the station going, I believe, correct? Yes, Yeah, and I it. think
1: additionally it's important to to know why you're doing that and why you're funding it. It's so you can get a message out like like you brought us in to talk about and and the other shows that come on the radio um you know the docket that was on right before this and, and those sort of things. It's important that that those messages get out there and those conversations are had in, in a forum like this, and not many other, like you said earlier, not many other radio stations are going to have a conversation like this.
0: And I don't believe the talk show hosts like yourself are getting paid for this, so it goes directly back Good to point. running the uh, the station and maintaining the equipment. And you know.
2: thank you, thank you. Okay. So again, call in nine four nine eight two four. We do have little gifts um, when you come in with certain amounts, and you'll find out all about that. So now let's get back to our topic at hand. I wanted to not fail to introduce Katie Bond, our suicide counselor. That is just an amazing position to have, and I think she does this full time. So, Katie, say hi again, and then we're going to get into our second half of the show.
5: Hi. Thanks for having me.
2: You're welcome, Katie. Now, on the last few minutes of the show, we're going to talk about some successful models of recovery and intervention. Can we have a discussion about that? I, I know that it takes a lot of research to know what you're going to plug, what you're going to, but, you know, Katie, Coach, Lauren, let's talk about Some successful models of recovery and intervention. In other words, things that help young people, things that help families dig themselves out of a grave.
5: You know, I love talking about that because there's a lot of tough stories out there, and there's a lot of really difficult situations in, you know, teens and adults that do end up taking their life. But there's also a lot of people that reach out for help, get that help, and they can go on and be successful and live an emotionally you know, healthy life. So there's help out there. And that, that's one of the things that we do at the hotline is just talking with folks where they're at in that day and giving them hope, so just talking about what do you have to live for, what have you done, tell me where you've been, let's talk about the future because it doesn't have to be just the way you're feeling now.
2: And see, in that, right before Lauren goes, in that I hear two different models of um, something that's going to bring you into a recovering situation. Number one, talking, having a serious conversation with someone you trust. And we're talking about recovering from, you know, just a critical place of depression. You know, if you feel like your life is now out of control because you've been in, you know, such a posture of rebellion and frustration. So that's one thing, having a serious conversation. And number two is the hotline itself.
5: Right. Those are just two options. And I think that talking with someone, having a conversation, whether it's with the hotline or a family member, a friend, a coach, a mentor, a teacher. Um, you know, talking with someone about what's going on and um, continuing that. So consistency is huge. So having someone that you know will be there, that you know you trust, and whether that's an outside therapist and counselor, that's that's a huge start too.
1: Good. Yep, and a, a shameless plug for the hotline, but it's one 800 3000 hotline, oh, twenty four yeah. hours a day, seven days a week for you know children and, and youth to call into when when they're in these situations. But I, I, I think it's. What we've been talking about all along is it's talking to people and, and having, Katie made a, a very valid point, is someone consistent to be there uh, in finding mm. that person. So uh, it may be a coach, and that's, again, our, our teacher or mentor, and that's our responsibility is to to respond and be consistent. Um, and, and listen to those kids um, I think that's number one and there's multiple resources out there we could probably sit here all day and talk about them but um, each person is an individual and they have to be treated that way um, so what works for one may work different for another but I think having the right resources around them and whether it be a therapist or a, a school counselor or uh, a coach, a teacher, any of those people uh, and then what other social supports to have around that person um, family, friends all those things are, are, are just as equally important.
0: Good. You know, uh, in my early 20s, I was in pretty bad shape. I, I got depressed. Uh, it continued to get worse. I went to different counselors, and they told me it had to do with issues with my father, and I said that it's not that. And I don't know how many counselors I walked out on. I did have a mentor, uh, my, my youth pastor, and uh, he, he often talked to me. But one day he just said, let's go. And uh, we went to the uh, psychiatric care unit. They call it a 5150 where you admit yourself. Wow. On a, you know, whether you're a threat to somebody or yourself. And so I admitted myself into a psychi- psychiatric care unit. And uh, a lot of it was just to get in to see a psychiatrist to get on some medication because I was at that point where I needed it. And it was going to take a month before I found somebody. But while I was in there, I came to a realization. Two things have got to happen when I get out. I either got to do it, kill myself, or I got to get better. And wow. uh, I think being in there and then what broke my heart is I saw a, a young man that was in my uh, class, eighth grade class, and he saw me in there and asked me what I was doing in there. And I said, oh, I just wasn't feeling good. And he goes, oh, that's what we're doing here. My mom, they just admitted their mom in there. And it, and it was embarrassing for me. And so I knew that once I, I got out of there, I, got to, I had to make some changes. And I, I, got, I had to try a bunch of different types of medication to find the one that was going to help best and did some group therapy. And I came down to California, had a girlfriend that talked me into moving down here and uh, found a really great counselor and pastor that uh, just kind of got me through everything and helped me realize that all it was was, you know, these abandonment issues I had with my dad and I just wanted to play catch with him. And, uh, you know, I just wanted a relationship with my father. So it 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 was a, a grueling process and it still is. I still kind of fight with those the, the, that mm-hmm. depression and it comes back and forth and and it's a real battle, and you know I guess it's my thorn in the flesh, I guess it's that one thing that that i that you know i I have that isn't probably ever going to go away permanently, but what helped me was an I worked a crisis intervention hotline for a while, too, and my girlfriend always goes, you just got to help other people and quit thinking about yourself, and she was right. It worked, and then throwing myself into coaching, and I needed those kids as much as they needed me, whether they realized it or not. I needed to, to coach. I needed to be involved. I needed to spend a lot of time uh, in the wrestling room and at the tournaments because that was kind of my therapy. You know, that was my, my help of kind of pulling me out of that depression, so, you wow. know, um, Th- yep. that that that's another source there yep. I mean,
1: and, and I, I think you're as right on coach that you know you you engage in activities and, and really if you were to break down depression in the diagnosis it's, it's the lack of activity mm-hmm. uh, if you really want to really? simplify it that's what depression is it's the lack okay. of activity so i think it's important that we engage in activities that are are reinforcing that make us feel good and and sometimes it's it's with a kid forcing them to do that forcing them to go outside and and do some things and and forcing them to not sit on the couch and play video games because that's a lack of activity so going and engaging in things is very important it doesn't have to be physical activity but it has to be up and about and and engaging in things and and doing doing different things that help you get over Mm -hmm. those things in in many ways but i think medication is another thing that 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 sometimes has to be explored it's not uh, we I, don't like to hear that. Sti- there, yeah, there's sometimes a stigma it, that goes along with that. Yeah, but it's, but it's, it's, we take I mean, medication for many other illnesses. For headaches. For headaches, yeah. and, and that without a problem, we'll, we'll go ask someone right now for some Tylenol. We won't mm-hmm. go ask someone for help when it comes to some sort of other illness. And that's truly what it is. It's an illness.
0: It, it, there is a stigma that comes along with it. and But I'm telling you, there's, there's kids at school that when, you know, I have a kid at school that when he gets back on his medication, he, he does much better. And uh yeah, who, who likes it? Nobody likes being on it. Nine million teenagers. We had a guest speaker today talking to us mm-hmm. about challenging students. He said twenty four million te- teenagers are taking uh, medication for ADHD and nine million for depression. Uh, you know what what other after all the uh, after we've done all the talking and, and tried everything else, I mean what else is there left but to maybe see a psychiatrist and, and get on that and then Try to wean yourself off of it when you when you when you get better, if if that's possible. And yeah. that's
5: something that we talk with folks on the hotline about all the time. There's no shame in that, no. and I know there's a stigma, and I, you know it just exists. But talking about it really, it shows like this help mm-hmm. to talk about. It. It's not. It doesn't make you normal, less than, or abnormal. It doesn't mm-hmm. make you less than or less of a person in any way. It's, you're doing what you know, what God put on earth to to help you get through. Things. Mm-hmm. And if some, yes. if that option is medication, then that's that's mm-hmm. one option.
2: Okay, I have another hard question, and Katie goes first. Katie, are men too macho for therapy workshops and <laughs> camps? You know, we're talking about family therapy also, because every time we have a show such as this, discussing topics like this it always goes back to the family well from what i've seen men still live in the home so that means they're a part of the family so tell me katie are men too macho for therapy workshops and camps
5: That's an interesting question, and I think that that's too big of a generalization to say that. So I don't think they're too macho. Um, You know, everyone, like Lauren said, it's individualized. Everyone gets to a point where um, there might be some pride, um, but women have pride too. So it might be an issue of you need to um, humble yourself to the fact that you need help, and you have to go elsewhere to find it. It's not just something that can be fixed within the family all the time. Um, And someone else can give you tools. You know, communication, just sitting down talking, meetings, family meetings, things like that. So um, I I don't think it's just men that are sometimes resistant. Uh, And and before
2: Lauren and Scott answer, I I want to just tag this on, too. Are there groups and sessions that are more engaging for men than others? And also think about boys 18 and under as you answer the question. Yeah,
1: well. and I think Katie's answer is right on. You've got to have the ability to humble yourself. And um, we have a group of, of fathers right now that we're working with uh, in a support group. Um, and and it's, it's all men in the room. Um, and, wow. and they're, they're in there talking about their feelings, their frustrations and, and, and working through trying to learn some new skills and how they can be better fathers and be better parents and, and better husbands and um, I, I think everyone has a breaking point and sometimes that's what it takes to get to your breaking point and uh, I think for everyone that's out there that's listening is don't let yourself get to that breaking point. If, if you start to get those indicators, reach out to someone. Reach out for help. You can, you know, Boystown, California, um, right here in Orange County, 714-558-0303. And, and we have support groups and parenting classes and, and things all over the community right now happening as we speak. Um... Um, through a partnership that we have with the, the health care agency, the mental health branch of our, our government here, uh, and we're working closely with them to kind of reduce that stigma and, and get people the support they need. So I, I don't think men are too macho uh, at okay. all I, I see it happen all the time. I, like I said, there's, there's a group of five men that, that meet regularly uh, with, with one of our counselors.
0: I think more men are doing it today. They're just not telling anybody.
2: So. They're just not telling anybody, yeah. okay. Yeah. And that's fair. Yeah, nobody's no going around problem going, Hey, with I'm that. getting
0: therapy, I'm jacked up, so uh, and nobody's walking around advertising it. But yeah. yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of men that are that are getting help. They hey, it's 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 that or self destruct. And uh, you know, we're at a point where there's a lot of people counting on us, family, uh, friends, coworkers.
2: Yeah, Yeah, and before we leave the show, Katie, I heard that you were about to say something, but I want to put a question to you, Um, and then Lauren and Scott just chime in as you will. Are there groups and sessions that are more engaging for teenage boys, uh, even, well, I, I think I'm focusing on 13 through 18, that are more engaging, that are really drawing them in you know they're they're at a place where they can really get that therapy the group therapy that they need does anything come to mind
5: Well, I think you need to check in your individual community. So like Lauren said, if you're out there in California, give Boys Town California a call. Um, Call the Boys Town hotline here, 1-800-448-3000. We can look in your community. Um, There's great mentoring programs out there, and there's really good organizations uh, that just really want to help. So, you know, sometimes, yeah, sometimes the teenage boys aren't going to thrive as well. It depends on the youth, um, but in a group where it's just sitting down talking. Maybe there needs to be some physical activity yeah. involved. Maybe there needs to be you know, kind of a Habitat for Humanity type of project where they're going out working together and doing things to build those relationships. So sometimes those are more effective. Each each kiddo is different. So find, find in your community, try some different things. Um, yeah. There might be just great mentoring programs available too. So.
1: Yep, and, and we've talked a lot just about taking an individual approach and coach should probably talk to this he has great success with with kids with wrestling but wrestling isn't for every kid so i think it's again like katie said reaching out and trying to find different things whether it be at a church or in a, in a sport or in a in a some sort of other activity uh, it may be traditional therapy and group talk therapy but um it, it may not be it may need to be out doing other things And and i think as adults as parents as coaches as mentors as teachers we can't give up after the first one doesn't work because it might not be right for that kid and we got to continue to try um just like we get forgiven over and over again for the mistakes we make and and the the things that that we do that are wrong uh i think we have to continue to work with that population we're talking 13 to 18 year olds and find something for them uh, find something because guess what like we've talked about all night they're gonna find something uh, and unless we guide them into something that that we would determine as pro-social, like a wrestling team, um, mm-hmm. they're going to end up doing something else. And coach, you can probably speak for hours on yeah. kids that that probably went sure. the wrong direction. But right. I, I think there's mm-hmm. plenty of groups and activities out there.
0: Mm-hmm. You just got to find the, the the right fit for you. Like I said, I went through a lot of therapists, a lot of counselors, tried everything, and, and you know, finally, uh, God blessed me with a, a pastor who had a lot of knowledge and the area that I that I needed uh, help in so but yeah I have to agree I've seen a lot of changes in kids sports uh, any extracurricular activity trying to get anybody involved with that once you meet and establish uh, you know a relationship with those coaches then there's networking those people can find help for you those key, people can reach out and 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 point you in the right direction uh, if those mentors and coaches and educators really care
2: Good, good. Now we're at the end of another hour here on Ear to the Ground. Join us again Monday, 5 to 6. Don't forget, we're in a fun drive. We want to hear your voice. We want to know what you think about all of these shows. Stay tuned for Jared with The Dread Zone. Uh, But before we sign off for right now, let's go around the table. Katie first. Let's just give a nugget of gold uh, about the family, about combating teenage depression, listening to one another. Go, Katie.
5: It doesn't have to be this way for the rest of your life. There's help out there, so um, don't give up.
1: Good. I would just add, you know, in general, suicide is, is preventable, uh, and, and it's scary to think that children are losing their lives from something that we can prevent. Um, so I think as, as all of us as adults, you know, we would like to say it takes a village to raise a child. We're all a part of that village. Um, and, and if you want to find an opportunity to get involved in a village, there, there's a place called Boys Town, and reach out to us, and, and we can get you involved. We can find you help as well. So.
0: Good. Uh, my, one of my favorite quotes is, "People don't care what you know until they know that you care." Wow. I could have been an Olympic champion wrestling coach. I could have had all these accolades and walk into that room. Those kids can sense whether or not you care for them right off the bat. And when they know you care, then you're gonna they, then you're gonna see things happen.
1: Great.
2: And um, we're gonna end for now. But I thank you for listening to Ear to the Ground. Thank you, Orange County call in pledge for the fun drive 949-824-5824 and stay tuned for, Dre- for Jared with his dread zone.
4: Hey folks, this is Henry Rollins and as you know, it is the time of year when KUCI is asking you for some support financial because they need to keep the station going. Please call in and send in a donation via phone at 949 949- 824-KUCI. That's 949-824-5824. Or you can donate easily online by going to KUCI.org. Without you, KUCI will not be around. So please, please, please donate.
3: It might be the door alarm or the new safety drain covers, the pool fencing, even the swim lessons. But the fact is you can never know which